The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. This is the Spin-Off Podcast Network with an emergency podcast. Jacinda Ardern has resigned. I repeat, Jacinda Ardern has resigned. Tēnā koutou koutou, I'm Toby Manhai. This has gone by lunchtime with me, Ben Thomas, Annabelle Lee Maitha. When the news landed this afternoon, we were all preparing our pieces on the interesting details in the National Party caucus reshuffle. <laughs> and then Cinder Ardern stood up, announced the election date, which uh, I had wrongly predicted it would be in November. It was October. It's going to be October yeah. the 14th. Oh, Follow- was that announced as well? It was announced first. And it Follow- was- following in the footsteps of the precedent set by John Key, she announced an early election date. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, except he didn't. And then and he didn't, he didn't within seconds announce his resignation. And um, look, there had been rumours circulating. I think a lot of that was based on vibes rather than actual information or intel. But it came as a hell of a shock. I think you put it quite well, Annabelle, in the group chat. Your immediate response was, and I quote, holy fuck sticks. Yeah. That's always my go-to reaction for moments like these. We were in our caucus retreat, of course, the Got My Lunchtime caucus retreat in Twizel, but have jetted back to the studio to cover this. The Gone By Lunchtime boot camp. Who would have... You didn't see this coming, did you, Ben? No. No, in fact, I told people who said that Jacinda Ardern might step down before the election. I told them they were fantasists. Mm. Uh, I said, don't be crazy. She is the party's uh, most valuable political asset, uh, despite the whatever the turmoil of the last few years, uh, despite the hidden pollings. Uh, she's still, by almost every measure, the preferred prime minister. Mm. Um, she's never been topped in a poll. Uh, and now she is she's gone. That's a funny thing, like how much we dissed people who were writing columns about how she was going to resign. I mean, there was a sense <laughs> that she was clearly tired. Um, she looked kind of rinsed. I mean, the way she put it, the metaphor she used repeatedly this afternoon in Napier at the Labour Party caucus retreat on Marine Parade, the way she put it was that she'd run out of gas. The, the tank and, is and, empty. And how's she going to fill it up at $2.80 a litre? That's right, and they couldn't. Um, <laughs> the state of inflation, <laughs> the cost of living crisis means no um, more. Well, gas. It's, the, it's the cost of prime minister in crisis, <laughs> isn't it? The the we've talked, I think, at various times about how the last six years has been kind of, in some sense, nine years compressed. In some mm-hmm. ways, it's felt like three years. In some ways, it's felt like nine. 
Uh, and in terms of where Jacinda Ardern is, she said, "Look, I'm just I'm 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 exhausted." Basically, is what she was mm. saying. She said that she departed at the end of last year to go for a summer break, and I I have no reason to believe that this is anything but the truth. Hoping that she could summon up the energy, you know, she said, "I can't." The, 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 having reflected over summer, she said, "I know I no longer have that extra bit in the tank to do the jobs justice. It's that simple, and it does seem kind of that simple, doesn't it?" And I mean, she 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 moved to kind of disabuse any efforts, and we saw that with the keys resignation as well of people looking for some sinister plot that underlined all of it, mm. but. No, I mean, is it- yeah, and I think, you know, your child turning five and starting school is a really important milestone for mums. And I think what people forget is, you know, when you're a working mum, you're constantly battling feelings of guilt about how much you're able to be there for your child. And, you know, she has the most stressful demanding job in the country. So I believe her when she says that, you know, prioritising her her family is a key driver for her decision. She was asked, Ben... As, as, as someone who also spent his three-week summer holiday trying to summon up the energy to <laughs> face a, a year of work in 2023, <laughs> I, I can totally understand her decision. Um, and I think it is important actually to circle back. You know, we did say that the people who were... You know, some of the people who are suggesting Ardern would resign before the election, um, you know, we said they're crazy. And part of the reason for that is they were crazy, right, because it was associated with all of these sort of swirling conspiracies. Um, And I think it is important to note that just the same as John Key, whose departure was also accompanied by sort of rampant speculation from some of the sort of nuttier corners of the internet. Some horrible libelous nonsense. Yeah, and and I'm sure the same will come in terms of uh, the Prime Minister's resignation, but... Mm. You know, there's there's no basis for it. It's funny because last night I was reading some stuff on, you know, what the pundits were expecting from today's announcement. Uh. It's like maybe an election date, maybe a little bit of policy stuff, maybe this, maybe it'll be a day or two days or a month after. It's like, no, she went and like totally blew all of those right uh, out of the water. A lot of us writing the three big announcements that will come at the start of the year Mm. and what they will. Here's a slightly... One. Well, I mean, there's a couple, you know, well, in terms of the three big announcements, the one, they were meant to be the announcement of the election date, check, a cabinet reshuffle, check. Pretty significant one. And number three, uh, jettisoning unpopular policies <laughs> and pair, pairing down the work stream. I mean, she paired her work stream right down. That's true. So, I mean, look, and more delivery. Blissful, blissful to-do list awaits, Jacinda Ardern. She was asked in the stand-up, at the press conference, she was asked whether or not some of the more poisonous, vitriolic, horrible abuse that has been thrown at her um, during to some extent before and certainly subsequent to the parliamentary occupation, laced with uh, conspiracy, disinformation, and just including people targeting her when she visits primary schools. I mean, countless untrue rumours. She was asked if that 
played a part, although not in such a long-winded way. And she said, she said that was. I think she said that took its toll, but that wasn't the reason. I mean, it must have figured into it, mustn't it? it it's a tough one because it, it probably would, right? I mean, the just the change in atmosphere from going from being, you know extraordinarily loved public figure, mm. you know, the, those sort of classic Jacinda mania shots from not just early on in the campaign, but, you know, the uh, over and over again of, you know, these public walkabouts, we should be literally mobbed, you know, mm. and it was sort of, sort of like, um, you know, hard day's night sort of footage, just kind of fans streaming behind her to, um, yeah, these sort of very rancorous, um, receptions, you know, by sort of roving bands of, you know, anti-vaxxers, which is, you know, that is the main... And people group. shouting, I am a living man. And, you know, I mean, that kind of level of people who are very deep down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, you you would certainly hope that that wasn't decisive. You wouldn't want those, those sort of people in that kind of discourse to kind of be incentivized. Try Exactly, um, exactly. But you, it does probably have some impact on the kind of picture you see in your mind when you imagine the campaign that awaits. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, and, and not in any way to kind of uh, downplay it, but other, you know, we've had other prime ministers and other politicians who, you know, Jim Bulger was sort of, you know, met with the same sure. sort of reception everywhere he went. Um, Don Brash got dirt thrown at him at Waitangi. Um, John Key got jostled all the time. Um, you know, I, I think this is a new level of vitriol, and I think that the drivers of it are particularly kind of crazy. Mm. Um, but, you know, she, she's it's not the first time politicians have faced abuse. I think too, like, when you're a mum and you have a child who loves you and needs you and wants to spend time with you and you're having to sacrifice what's in their best interest to do the job that you need to do, and your your work and your commitment is met with this type of vitriol and misogyny and all of that stuff, it would lead you to question why on earth you're doing it, you know, if you're investing in the right, into the right thing. And, yeah, like Ben says, it's just an unprecedented level of vitriol because there's, you know, so much of it is so completely irrational. It's not like debating issues. It's awful, and when you think about you know, the death threats and all of that being rained down on her and her family, I understand why you'd reach a point where you literally felt like you had no, you just didn't have the the gas left in the tank for mm. it. Um, it, of course, triggers a vacancy, creates a vacancy, triggers a contest, the form of which is, is, is to be decided. We'll come to that in a moment. Let's talk first, though, about even at this very early point, about what the legacy of Jacinda Ardern Prime Minister might be. She she touched on a range of things, you know, which is her right to do. She talked about addressing housing crisis, child poverty, climate change. But the big thing that is kind of, I think, beyond doubt, Annabelle, is the response to crises, isn't mm -hmm. it? I mean, in the form of March 15, 2019, and then certainly in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic in terms of bringing people together. But on both those cases, bringing together in a sense of rallying the country to a cause, first in terms of trying to avoid, um, you know, retribution or ugliness stemming out of that attack, and then more recently in, the, in COVID-19, kind of getting people together in terms of what was required for 
a lockdown. Is that how you see it? What what else? Well, I think, you know, tens of thousands of vulnerable lives were saved as a result of um, her leadership during the COVID pandemic. I think, you know, I remember when um, Winston Peters held his press conference and announced that um, Ardern would be Prime Minister. I just had my fourth daughter. Waimehe was only a few days old. Mm -hmm. And I feel, you know, that for my girls to grow up at a time when there was not just a woman but a young woman who was leading the country has been a really powerful thing for all girls who um, statistically actually make up half the population, women, just sort of some, more, I think, in fact, some stats yeah. to the game yeah, this year. These, these are incredible numbers being racked up by the Labour government. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, but, but more than that, she then had a baby in Parliament, which I think is mm. another powerful message to send to our girls that you don't have to sacrifice motherhood in order to be a great leader. And I think that, you know, or Jenny Shipley had already had her kids when she got to Parliament, so I think that was another really powerful message. Yeah, I, if you wanted to be very caricaturish about it, you'd say that her her legacy was that she achieved almost nothing of what she promised um, and lots of things that no one anticipated. Um, that is, of course, you know, that's, <laughs> that, 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 that's a kind of throwaway line because they they did accomplish, you know, you know the Labor government under Ardern did accomplish a number of things that they set out to do, probably most particularly um, industrial relations, you'd say, or employment law, um, where they raised the minimum wage, really cranked that up. Um, I think a lot of people thought that $20, $20 an hour was probably a very aspirational kind of goal, um, but they, they did it in pretty short order. The uh, fair pay agreements legislation finally through that delivered to their to their uh, sort of union base. Um, Matariki, another public holiday. Mm. So in that sort of area, I think they actually really kind of did what they said they were going to do. They did increase benefit levels. They increased as well, benefit levels. I think. I, I think they get more uh, criticism than is probably warranted in terms of welfare. Um, because, yeah, the, I was having a look at benefit levels. It's very hard to do these days. They don't sort of tabulate everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, well, for, it was, for, a, for, a, for a single person age 25 on the job seeker uh, allowance, you know, right now it's $315 a week. It was $211 a week when Ardern came into power. Now, there's all sorts of issues about, you know, abatement rates when you're in part-time work and things like that. There but is, these, these are real increases. There, there I is, think the free tertiary was a... You know, an important one as well. Mm, probably a misfire, but you know, the, and and of course there was the very, very notable, often talked about by people like me, failures of delivery on those really big ticket items that they came to power, you know, power on the sort of transformational stuff. Ki- mm. Ki- Kiwi Bill is the rail, one that rail that sticks out. I think Kiwi because Bill. that was so central to the original pitch. I mean, that transformational word, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in pods to come, is. I mean, I was, I was, I was hoping to interview Jacinda Ardern shortly. I don't know whether that will happen still, but to you know, to look back at some of she's the, probably got time. The earlier remarks about transformation, <laughs> yeah, um, down at Crave. The, uh, but I guess the the point you made, which you acknowledged was a caricature just then, Ben, is that they're not necessarily unrelated. You know, the disruptions. Yeah. Especially in the second part of COVID, mm. you know, there were a lot of working groups going on in the first <laughs> term. Yeah. But the, you know that that did that did shift mm. the focus dramatically. That wasn't simply a kind of um, 
question of applying mana and leadership. It was mm. a, just changed, moved everything out of the way. Yeah, and I, look, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say we could not have had a better leader during the Christchurch uh, attack. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that there would have been as much daylight between the ways that a national government or a Labour government would have approached the pandemic, mm. but I think that, you know, Ardern was excellent um, and... I don't know if a lot of people appreciate it. My understanding is that a lot of these early calls, you know, closing the border and things, people say, oh, the, the magic was that she followed officials' advice, but not really, actually. The, you know, the Ministry of Health was a, a, a unit that was not really set up for this kind of uh, thing, or it was certainly not ready for it. Um, and a lot of those early calls were actually made by Cabinet, and that basically means by Ardern, um, and she made the right calls. Um, she exercised personal judgment, which was, ex- you know, Led to a better result than almost anywhere, almost anywhere else in the world in 2020. So, you know, I mean, there's, yeah, she has her critics, obviously, but there's no, there's no way that you can look at her total time in, in, in power, and say that she wasn't a good prime minister. I think there's also some, you know, symbolic gestures that were meaningful to people, like apologising over Erebus. Um, dawn raids. Dawn raids. Was, um, was... Inquiry into historical abuse yep. of you know wards of the state. Those things were important to. What about people. more generally in terms of uh, Te Māori and about Jacinda Ardern went to Waitangi in 2018, went up to the marae and said, "I invite you, urge you to judge me on mm. my record of what I've achieved for Māori." I, I I don't know if she'll. Presumably she 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 won't be there this year after all because she won't want to. Well, they said there'll be the a way. they said there'll be a new prime minister by February February the seventh. They mm. said yeah. So maybe maybe she'll turn up to Waitangi for her exit interview. Well, I think she did a really <laughs> great job of resetting the the tone at Waitangi and, mm. and um, you know the the morning barbecue or whatever it was and making it uh, feel a lot more toe and. Um, and warm and, and as a politician not coming in with an adversarial approach and being there to listen rather than to just deliver a speech and and um, and boot it out of there as quickly as possible. I mean, obviously she's shepherded in the you know the biggest um, group of Maori MPs, um, Matariki, uh, you know all of those sorts of things, there's been a huge shift, not just in terms of like the Wellington bureaucracy, but across um, corporate New Zealand in terms of wanting to be more treaty aligned and diversity and all of those things. And I think a lot of that's in no small part due to um, her leadership on Māori issues. You know, I thought it was interesting that John Tamihere as the president of the Māori Party came out and talked about what an incredible... Um, loss she is to New Zealand as hmm. a leader and how much she's done for Te Ao Māori and all of that because, you know, he's not a guy that gives away compliments very generously and particularly not to the Labour Party. So <laughs> particularly thought, not to yeah. the women Labour Party <laughs> Prime yeah. Ministers. Let's um, turn to what's next for the leadership, which, of course, we're talking about two jobs at the same time, which become customary and certainly in British politics recently, but not so much here since Bill English took over from John Key, which is we're talking about the Labour Party leadership and 
the Prime Ministership at the same time. Jacinda Ardern made it really clear in her speech, the implication was very clear, I think, to her caucus, don't piss around, (laughs) do what you need to do on Sunday. There is a caucus meeting on Sunday and what needs to be done as far as she's concerned, and I imagine some involved, is a two-third majority for one candidate. So that doesn't mean doesn't mean it's a, it's a, it's a walkover that there's just one candidate. Well, that's always possible. But it means that a two-third majority would avoid the need to go to the, I think it's a tripartite system where the voting is divvied up between MPs on one, one I don't know, it's still one-third, 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 I forget, yeah. between <laughs> MPs, union affiliates and the membership as a whole. Even if it does go to that, she has indicated that that contest should uh, be... That has to be done in a week. Truncated compared to what... Does it have to... Those in, are the in rules an election state, year, no. I think they changed, oh, yeah, they okay, changed yeah, it. To yeah, there were some easier, changes yeah. to the rules that that that, that, um, that make those things less... That makes it less risky that we'll see what we have in the past, which is very long roadshows um, and your countless debates. Um Who's in? Who's out? Um, most 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 notably, Grant Robertson is out. He, Jacinda uh, Ardern was expecting the question. What she said that Grant Robertson had given her his blessing to say, following her announcement that he wasn't seeking the leadership. He then put a statement out uh, five or ten minutes ago, so that was all prepared, saying that. He had said after his run for the leadership in 2014, I think, that he wouldn't go again and that he was sticking with that. He wasn't going to go for it again. Yeah, the bad news is is that Robertson has ruled himself out, but the good news is that, you know, Mark Mitchell hasn't. Mark Mitchell will. (laughs) I'm I'm hearing from sources. (laughs) That that after consulting closely with the Prime Minister about her resignation, (laughs) Um, a key role was played (laughs) by National MP Mark Mitchell. Or Andrew Little, as we were discussing before, could come in, become Prime Minister until seven weeks before the election, at which point someone sweeps in and there's a you know, name goes here, mania, and then that person wins. Well, maybe this is Little's opportunity to finally lead the Labour Party into an election and get 22% of the vote, as he was denied <laughs> in 2017. Do, and you, so, think, but, do you think yeah. Robertson could be swayed? Well, because a, he seems obviously the natural question. success. I'd always assumed that that was, the, that that was a high likelihood of happening at whatever point that Jacinda Ardern did resign, which whether it was after an election defeat or or after a victory after a year, what was my guess of the two possibilities for that, (laughs) rather than today. Uh, And then you would think that Grant Robinson, yes, could say, I had ruled myself out, but I've been, I've received a deputation from everyone wants me to do it. I'm being dragged against my will, which is much what Jacinda Ardern was able to do. Mm. And it's quite a compelling picture, um, and not necessarily uh, disingenuous, to be... Could that happen now? I think the fact that he's gone right out there and it was there and, and issued a, issued a statement saying it ain't me would be a hell of a yeah. Hell of I a think turn that now. if it were to be him, that Labor could conceivably have a shot at winning the election. I think without him, it's going to be well, incredibly difficult. Yeah. So this is the thing, right? Is that when Key handed over to English, and it wasn't a straight handover, Key. 
technically said, there was I don't have a preference. There's a contest. Yeah. I don't have a preference, but I really, 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 yeah. really, 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 really. I've always really, found really, working really with Bill very <laughs> good. But check yeah. out this guy. <laughs> um, and that made sense because Bill and John Key had been a team for eight years. Everybody thought of them as a pair. They were both well-known. Bill had been, had been the finance minister and the deputy prime minister. Robertson equally. And Robertson's really come into his own uh, in the last few years. Um, he's become much more comfortable with the business community, much more respected in terms of his work in the finance, you know, with the finance and the economics stuff. And very shrewd political operator, mm. pr- good with media, you know, very quick yeah. on his feet, knows all yeah. the policies, mm. and has that public profile. Um, so, you know, the thought that the thinking that Key had, which he sort of explained more in interviews kind of after, you know, sort of a year or two later, was that he felt Bill had a better chance in the election than he did because Bill had all the positives of what the government had achieved without any of the personal baggage that Mm. you you just accrete over time as a prime minister. And that would be the same sort of thinking that would make you think, okay, if Ardern, definitely the best politician in Labour, definitely its best asset. But if she hands over to Robertson, maybe you get the same result where mm. the polling still has some potential upside and you don't, you know, there's no massive discontinuity. Now we've got a situation where you could very well be introducing a prime minister that the majority of the country has never heard of. Mm. You know, the, some of the names that have been floated. Um, uh, you know, Michael Wood, Kerry Allen, very good politicians, um, whether they're ready to be prime minister, different, you know, not necessarily the same question, very good politicians, but not known quantities, mm. you know, Which, really mm. kind of springing a surprise. If, if, if you're in a situation where suddenly the leader of the opposition, who's only been in the job for a year in yeah. the parliament for three, is better known mm. than whoever is currently the prime minister of the country, that's quite a, it's quite a leap to take. So looked mm. at through that lens then the favourite is Chris Hopkins. Chris Hopkins, absolutely. Um, uh, because uh, he has been around for a while. He's Mr. Fix-It in lots of it's, it's ways. It's the natural progression a, of giving him every a, policy. Yeah, every, you know, after, after, after Ashley Bloomfield and Jacinda Ardern, he's probably the third uh, most recognisable COVID face when everyone was watching. Mm. Um, I mean, Michael Wood is the other one. I mean, Audrey Young wrote about this, the who were the contenders and... and, and She's as well informed as anybody in that bubble, and she she said Michael Wood, Kerry Allen. I heard on the radio on the way and hasn't ruled herself out, and she's been picked by a lot of people as a future prime minister. Oh, and look, the question for her will be: Is this is this the right charisma time? in sackfuls? Um, and you know something to think about. You know, um, earlier I was saying sort of you know, labour does you know the risk for labour is that there is a collapse at this point because just like, you know, the fall of Yugoslavia, you know, in post-Soviet times, there was a, you know, you have a strong man sort of in charge, which in this case is Jacinda Ardern. Every one of that huge caucus, over 60 MPs, all knew that they were there in their positions and in their seats because Mm. of Ardern's personal popularity. There was no arguing with Ardern. There's no, you know, suddenly you put in, you know, somebody else from the front bench you don't have the same sort of attachment or loyalty. You don't owe them that. They didn't put you in that position. And that's a, 
big issue when you've got a caucus that's that big. People already know they're going to be losing their seats or that they're going to be on the borderline in this um, uh, in this campaign. You you know, there's only three days and or three or four days until they take yeah. that vote. Yeah. But you know, in terms of the sort of running around and thinking, who am I better off with? You know, there are real risks. Now, one thing that happens if you do start, if it does start factionalizing, then you start looking at huge Maori caucus who might think. Is it time for a Māori Prime Minister? You know, that... I wouldn't be surprised if Penny Henari had a crack at it. Who's been being talked about as someone who might be standing down, but mm. then he's he's an experienced. I mean, not as experienced as Nanai Mahuta, who's got even uh, you know a, mm. a longer parliamentary record. The Three waters probably. I mean, yeah, but, I doubt but, 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 yeah. but then, but then, I mean, I mean that that would be history making. Kerry Allen would be history making to an even greater extent because you'd have a you'd have a, a gay Māori. Prime Minister, which mm. would be extraordinary. The the point you make is is a, is a great one, though, Ben, because up to now, all the people who are in seats that they're probably going to lose, <laughs> you know, because even even a victory would mean for a lot of the people that are in there now not making it back because it's a current majority of the House. They knew not just all the things you said, but also that Jacinda Ardern is a is a is a stunning campaigner. Mm. She's a fin- formidable. She's phaser. a phenom. Yeah, she would. You know, whether or not it would be winning or losing, there would be. You couldn't say there would be anyone better, notwithstanding the things that she's provided in the past, to to potentially eviscerate a relative novice in a series mm. of mm. debates. And now, I mean. Again, to make the point, what happened after John Key left the National Party? <laughs> you know, the the you just need to read Andrea Vance's book, Blue Blood. That's the first chapter. You know, that's 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 what that unleashed. The, the period of Bill English, the election defeat, that was all material. But that was, you know, that's it's sometimes a, a power vacuum. At some point, mm. is terrible. There's no there's no law that says that what changed. In seven weeks before the election in 2017, when Jacinda Ardern took over from Andrew Little, that that change can't be undone. Oh, of course. And, and, and many of the Labour caucus have never been in, uh, you know, weren't, weren't around then. Um, you know, things can change overnight. They can change very quickly. I, that's the re- This is the real risk. I mean, I think the, the sh- Ardern's resignation should be the headline, because first of all, it is a surprise, it is a shock, uh, and you know she deserves to have her legacy. Well, yeah, I actually think celebrated, but certainly you know analysed and gone over. But actually, I think the real catastrophe for Labour here is that there's, there isn't um, Robertson to stand, s- mm. step into the breach. I think the combination of those mm. two decisions just sets them on a disastrous path to yeah. the election. Um, you know, look, can always be proved wrong, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I, I, I just sort of, um, it seems like self-immolation. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, can I just say about Kitty Tapu, she yeah. has a, an easiness and an affability about her that reminds me of John Key. And, you know, she's a great talker. She's, you know, credible in a crisis, all of those things. But I think three little challenges that she has that she would face is um, misogyny, racism and homophobia, which could make it quite difficult for her in the election. 
I think on the on the other hand, she'd get the rugger bloke vote, the <laughs> the, 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 the the military vote if she could like gets on the jumpsuit again and you know. Yeah. Does I, a few I actually s- think that like if Robertson had been willing to stand, it could have been a really positive thing for Labour. Ardern going, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Ardern because she is incredibly, you know, an incredibly talented politician and debater and communicator and all of those things. But I think people are just jaded by her, and you know, a lot of that is to do with COVID and the one o'clocks, and you know, National who used to complain about her getting to, you know, hold court every day. I think actually. It, it didn't have a positive um, effect with voters. I think that whether or not people realised that at the time they started to grow tired of her. I think he would. And so a fresh per- uh, someone like um, Robertson, who you know is a great debater, humorous, can talk about footy, yeah, all yeah, of those and, things and, as a you know, and, and has been joined at the hip with Grant Robertson. I mean, one you know one of the many half-written pieces that I'll discard now is the one about how the election is going to be about the, you know, the two combos, the mm. the, the yeah. would-be Prime Minister and the would-be Finance. It was, you know, it was very much Willis and Luxon versus Hardern and Robertson. And yeah. remember all the way back to 2014 when it was Grisinda, you know, that was the portmanteau yes. that was yeah. Jacinda and Grant and they've been together. He's been a, you know, almost a mentor to her. Anyway, I mean, I, 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 I'd be fascinated to know how hard he thought about it and whether or not it was because, yeah, he has... I I guess the other factor is that you look in the way that Bill English was characterised as a caretaker. Mm. You look like the interim Prime Minister and I think there must be some part of him that thought, actually, probably we're not going to win this one. The best Mm. way to rebuild is to, (laughs) you know, skip... Hey, just throwing another name out there because now that he's not busy having to bully Sharma, like what about Kieran McNulty? Kieran McNulty, yeah, his schedule's a lot freer now. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's that's another one. People would he sold his ute? He got rid of his ute. I think that was probably a mistake. Um, Megan Woods. I mean, this is very capable, Mm. extremely capable, but you know, in terms of public persona, you know, that kind of. You don't need astounding charisma. Luxon isn't charismatic. But the the other thing is that, you know, as Prime Minister, you've got to be across everything, right? And, uh, you know, you've got to do the, the, the weekly, you have to do so many stand-ups. And you've got to have answers. You know, the leader of the opposition, to a certain extent, can throw stones. Um, but the Prime Minister actually has to know what all of her ministers are doing and, you know, be prepped. And there's a very good, you know, the Prime Minister's office is very capable. I'm sure that they'll all stay on. But, you know, well, they, these, these well, it'd be pretty simple. I mean, the same exhaustion that Jacinda Ardern has basically described. I mean, she basically described herself as burnt out. She didn't use oh. those words, but that's that's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, that's going to apply to many of her, her staff, too. Well, yeah, but I mean, look, I, th- I think if, you know, if you had. If you had the senior staff sort of decamp, it would basically be putting up the white flag. But look, um, uh, history making, uh, this. Some combination as leader and deputy leader of Wood and Woods. That, oh, I love like, it. Wood mania. Yeah. That would make international headlines yeah. never before anywhere. Yeah. Have we had two 
That's a great yeah. idea. Michael Tony. Woodhouse. For I mean, I mean, look the, the the look the thing is, this is all actually just leader. all of this is just sort of fluff talk because. Um, actually, what? Actually, in the <laughs> how very dare you? Well, be? the thing is, the question's already been decided because actually, if you you know, if as per the House of Windsor, if you look at the direct line of succession, mm. Ardern's gone, Robertson's gone, it's Kelvin. It's, it's it is pretty amazing that we haven't mentioned Kelvin, who is the who is literally leader of the, the Labour Party. Of the Labor Party. Um, <laughs> But I think just imagine imagine if someone nominated him, he'd probably have a heart attack. Like, yeah. I mean, he's 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 made clear that he doesn't want to be deputy prime minister. So I don't think prime minister is the job for him. He doesn't really peedangi yet. Um, what does it mean for the election? We've covered that really. I mean, for the National Party, they've had it. They had a pretty good morning. I, I wrote a piece about uh, in, uh, watching on the live stream Luxon's speech and the stand-up that oh, followed, yeah. and he was pretty good. And I thought, oh, no, I'll, just, I'll just publish this ahead of the Ardern stand-up. And I was, um, you know, umming and ahhing whether to put it into one oh, you know, yeah, yeah, tedious yeah. long piece about the caucus. And, oh, I'll just publish it, which is just as well because yeah. <laughs> it's useless. I mean, only got read by three people probably, but, you know, like <laughs> the, all that stuff that happened in the morning. I had some notes on, on for, our, for our next pod that we're going to do. I was going to oh, we'll talk about, I thought it was quite interesting that Simeon Brown got the Auckland, Auckland portfolio. portfolio. Oh, yeah, big news. Um, but m- maybe not today. Maybe no. that's not a discussion no. for today. Can I say I thought Luxon's um, response was gracious, unlike Seymour's. Was, Did you I read haven't, I haven't, No, I haven't seen that. It's not very nice. Um, and, in fact, Christopher Luxon is giving a media conference uh, as we speak. I mean, I mean, this is this is the so, – and, and, and the playbook for this, you know, Labour have already shown us, you know, uh, throughout from 2017 onwards – what did National get peppered with by uh, Ardern and um, Robertson? It was like, this is not the Labour Party of Bill English and John Key. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we, yeah. we might be hearing this is not the Labour Party of Jacinda Ardern well, weirdly, funnily, within weeks. Funnily enough, I thought of that line when I was watching Luxon, who who came out pretty confidently for his speech, looked genuinely yeah. in pretty good spirits. You and there was the an old guy. air of condescension. And there was an air of... Oh, who can blame these people? They tried their hardest, but it's just not working out for them. And it's quite a, it's quite a powerful. It's a flex. <laughs> it's quite a powerful flex. Anyway, uh, I mean, the what I think no one is going to argue with is that this was going to be a very hard election for Labor to win, and now it's immeasurably hard. Almost uh, yeah. things happen, but who knows. So thank you for joining us for this emergency podcast. Before we go, a word about the Morningside Live block party, which is coming up on Sunday, February 5. Uh, taking over at McDonald Street for an extravaganza of local food, local brews and entertainment, Fat Freddy's Drop, headlining, with a supporting lineup curated by the band, maybe even Ben Thomas joining the brass section. Who knows? There'll be a party space with DJs Benny Salvador, Andy Hartthrob and others. Lots of nooks and crannies, things happening. Most importantly, the spin-off Carpet Club, featuring snappy guest star sprinkled live versions of the spin-off podcast Gone by Lunchtime. What? And the real pod. I didn't know that. I told you about it. Oh, you did It's going to be that. great. But what was this nooks and crannies thing? It's, it's in a basement in a oh, carpet yeah. factory. Yeah. Wow, the first, the first the... big political event of the year. Yes. Live Gone by Lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> And live comedy from Chris Parker, Janae Henry, Guy Montgomery, Courtney Dawson, plus Toby and Toby. Oh, I love Courtney Dawson. 
Oh, she's a brilliant right. young stand-up comedian. She does comedy with oh, her she girl, is really Toby. She's she is, so she's funny. Very funny. Yeah. Toby Manheim and Toby Morris, live drawings of very special guests, some good, because some good guests. Um, we might invite Jindra Dern because if it's all done by then, it's just it's, it's, it's in her Electra. Yeah. She might wander down. You never know. This is a formal invitation. She might want a DJ. Uh, yeah, so it's down in the bowels of the earth in the underground car park of the carpet court. Lots else going on. Full details on Mosh Ticks where you can get your tickets and you can find a link to the tickets in the show notes. It's going to be fun. We might even talk before then. Who knows? There's a lot going on. The year has begun with a real whiz and a bang. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Annabelle. Thanks, Sam, for producing. Hey, let's just let's just toast our outgoing Prime Minister. Oh, yeah. She deserves it. Okay. Cheers, Auntie. Cheers, Jacinda. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.